passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm replacing you with a man I've appointed that uh, is more deserving than you, quite frankly. More qualified than you, Kobe. May I present to you the man who will face Daniel Bryan at Fastlane? Kevin Owens. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown, where we rewind and chat SmackDown. Hello, Wei. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing swell. How was your day? It was good. Um, I I took a, an afternoon tour to my local movie theater. Ooh. And I watched Fighting with My Family. Oh, you didn't fight with your family, did you? You just went solo? Or did you go, did you have a guest? No, I went by myself. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I had a great time. I've really grown to enjoy the, the solo movie-going experience. Well, especially me, because, like, I I took notes for this. In, I the, would... in the theater? Because I, I seriously brought a notepad, because I couldn't do it on my phone. That's rude in a movie theater. But I ended up, I just, I just took mental notes. I did not want to take out... Oh. Uh, notes and physically take them, so I didn't. You went a step further than me. Well, there weren't many people at my screening. Like, there were probably only, like, 10, 15 people there, so I it, it was no issue at all. But I would have been miserable to sit next to if I had to do that. Man, it'd be like going to a wrestling show with me. It's the worst <laughs> experience. It is not a social outing <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, where can you and I both discuss this movie? We'll be talking about it on the double shot, which is the bonus show that we do every single week after SmackDown for our Post Wrestling Cafe Patreon patrons. So you can go to postwrestlingcafe.com or patreon.com slash postwrestling. Support us for as little as $6 a month, and uh, we give bonus shows to you at least two, two of them a week. At least, yes. And through your support, Way and I are able to go to the movies every once in a while. So you're doing a great deed for us. So we're going to uh, have an extensive review of that. Uh, I'm also going to contrast it to... The original documentary that kind of spurred this whole thing on um, that aired in the UK back in 2012. So we can compare the documentary to the the motion picture that just came out this past weekend. The, the wide release of Fighting With My Family. Plus, Being the Elite, Total Bellas, and we'll see what else falls from the sky on the double shot. Always a fun time. So by the time you're listening to this, the show is probably already up. And you can go join the cafe and catch that 
each and every Tuesday night. What else is coming up this week, Way? I think I'm on almost every show from now until Sunday. Yeah, John Pollock will be on up next with Braden Harrington while Davey's still out in the UK. And uh, or actually, Davey, I believe, comes back on Thursday, but I don't think he'll have time to watch up next. Or, or Oh, is this where week. I start the show and then Way interrupts us on Skype and says, I'm all about box office and John Davey is replacing you and I just have to leave and I have no comeback and I'm I'm taken out of the main event of up next unceremoniously that's exactly what what will happen yeah well um, if Davey kicks me out he kicks me out it's it's his show but I'm tentatively penciled in for up next on Thursday so subscribe to that feed to hear John talk about uh, this week's uh, NXT with Braden uh, and then for our cafe I mean everybody knows this shit by now right god like I don't think we have to even repeat it Cafe Hangout, Thursday, Friday is up for free uh, for for everybody else. Uh, Friday after, afternoon, or Friday morning, we got Rewind Away, post-pro rest on the weekend, UFC 235, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the, uh, the marketer himself waiting. Postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, grab all of our shows. We have quite a bit of news to get into today. Did you get a chance to see Roman Reigns on Good Morning America on Tuesday morning? I saw like a four minute clip. Did it, was it any longer than that? It was about seven and a half minutes total. So what you saw was probably, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot to this. There was no big announcement beyond that he, his, his cancer is in remission and, you know, nothing about a match that he's coming back for. It was largely just talking about uh, the, the fight he went through the last number of months, the support he received, how nervous he was ahead of Monday's speech that he had to deliver on Raw, stating that he is not one that ever feels nervous before his big matches or doing media. But for that speech, he said he felt very nervous and kind of hinted that he's going to become a big advocate for a lot of um, cancer awareness initiatives and using the platform he's on to kind of spread that awareness. So it seems like he's going to be heavily involved in the company's efforts uh, towards that stuff, maybe becoming the face of Connor's cure. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. He he didn't state specifics, but was kind of um, stating that's going to be a big part of his kind of uh, philanthropic efforts, I guess, moving forward. And that was about it. It was just a quick uh, one segment appearance that he had on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess not much in the way of news, but I think more newsworthy for the non-wrestling viewing audience. Yeah, I mean, he came off very natural, and the audience seemed to really get, you know, laughed at a, a number of his jokes. Like, he's a very personable individual, and I think we see that in these non-scripted environments, and that's always been the tag on on Roman, that when you put him in those situations, he's very charming, he's very natural, quick off of his feet, and... I think everyone saw that on Monday night and and in this interview, like a a smaller version of it, just a very, you know, a charismatic individual. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I I really do wonder how much has really changed between like his personality between now and before. Or is it just that, you know, we're it's just him talking now. It's not um, it's not a forced delivery. I think that it's just a much more natural presentation. It's just the guy talking. It's just, you know, it's like this. It's like you and I. Hmm. Yeah, he should do a podcast. He a raw he review. Should, oh man, could you imagine? He's he's welcome to join us next Monday if we have time. Roll uh, re Roman a raw? No, sorry, no. Romantic raw. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, raw did a very big number on Monday night. 
it averaged 2,922,000 viewers on the USA Network, which was their highest viewership total since August the 20th of last summer. Uh, the the first hour topped 3 million viewers, just as it did last week. And obviously, the Roman Reigns announcement was the big thing everyone was tuning in for. But I thought it was a pretty... I was more impressed with the second hour, which did just under 3 million viewers. And that was after the Roman announcement. Long gone uh, was Roman. And you were led to believe, like, Roman was not coming back on the show. So I thought that second hour was a pretty big success. And, you know, you had your your drop in the third hour but it was not a gigantic drop um so uh, overall i thought a very strong number on monday for a show that was pretty fast-paced and had a lot of news coming out of it i certainly thought so it felt i mean you know i think the the rick flair thing maybe for a lot of people perhaps would have been a hook as well but i thought overall it was a a much more faster moving show than typical so yeah great it it was their highest third hour as well since that august 20th show so to put that into perspective um, PW Insider was the first one to report this, and then a um, a local Tampa reporter by the name of I want to get his name here. Uh, I'll find it, but uh, reported on WrestleMania 36 for next year that it is scheduled to take place. Colin Sherwin, uh, he's the Tampa-based reporter who confirmed this that WrestleMania is going to take place next year in Tampa, Florida. Uh, the WWE was contacted and said. Uh, We have not made any announcement yet, Uh, so no one is denying this, but it's expected that a press conference will take place next next Thursday, March the 7th, to formally announce uh, WrestleMania 36 taking place uh, in 2020 in Tampa, which will be the first time it's taken place in that that city of Tampa. Tampa, but returning to Florida. Yeah, uh, where it's been a couple of times over the last uh, decade. As recently as uh, two years ago. That's right. Orlando. And, uh, in Orlando. Uh, it's also been in Miami. So Tampa next year away. Gonna have to I, find I'm not, a... Dude, I'm not complaining. Do you see the weather outside today? Oh, I'm not. I, I, I'm all for the the more uh, scenic uh, and warm climates that they go to. They, they should do this all the time. I mean, that's the thing, the Super Bowl. They always end up back in warmer climates after they just go crazy and go to a cold place every now and then. Yeah. No worries about uh, snow. In the Bahamas for WrestleMania 37. Oh, maybe Hawaii. Well, I'm already, I'm actually going to Hawaii. Man, yeah, that, that would be a big dude. ask for people to go. WrestleMania, Hawaii. It's expensive, dude. I don't I know. I, I don't know, know if I'd I've want been. to. Yeah. Are you ever going to come back from Hawaii? How long are you going to be there? I'm going to be there for 10 days. And 10 days. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not that cheap. But I mean, it's also uh, me and my girlfriend, It's it's kind of on our bucket list. So. We, we, this is sort of like a, a bit of a lull in the schedule. And so we decided to do it now while we both have some time. Are you going to go surfing? Yeah, definitely. Going to try I, did, I didn't go surfing when I was there and I regretted it. I did go snorkeling. Snorkeling was really difficult to learn. Mm. But once I got the hang of it, I was so, I was getting very frustrated trying to learn it because I was just getting, I was breathing in the water through the, uh, uh, the tube and I was just like, I can't do this. I was just, I was just getting annoyed. And then all of a sudden, I got the hang of it. I was like, Oh, this is easy. Breakthrough! Wow, it was cool. A, it, was a, it was a big discovery on my part. Uh, the Honky Tonk Man is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. They announced this today through CBS Sports. So, 
the Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart, reportedly, are going to be both going in together. Separately. Really? Well, Jimmy Hart with the Hart oh, Foundation. Oh, the Hart Foundation, yeah. But and Jimmy's already in. Jimmy's already in. This is Jimmy's uh, victory lap going into the Hall of Fame. But you're also going to get Rockabilly going in this year. <laughs> sure. And uh, the, real Je- the real double J, Jesse James. Remember that? Um, yeah. A whole yeah. like triangle of garbage from 1997 <laughs> uh, going in under uh, different circumstances for Billy Gunn and Road Dog. Yeah. Obviously. But who would have thought in 1997 if I told you Honky Tonk Man and Rockabilly, they'll go into the Hall of Fame the same year? God, I know. I think they could put on a whole concert um, of lip syncing. Uh, who do you think will induct? That's a good question because I would have said Jimmy Hart. I think Elias might kind of make sense, you know, the whole guitar thing. But there might be somebody more appropriate for, for his career. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Lawler's his cousin, but, you know, you don't really... Don't they um, hate each other? They, they've had their issues over the years. I don't know uh, how much... I mean, Honky Tonk Man himself, I think, be a, being a part of this whole thing is, is very interesting after... He... You know. I remember interviewing him the weekend of WrestleMania in 2010, which was the year he was invited to go in. It was in his hometown of Phoenix. And at the time, he had signed a contract to do... Um, I, I don't know if it was Wizard World or if it was it, – it was a convention that was like a franchise, and they did different conventions throughout the year. So he had signed this deal, and like the WWE Hall of Fame, at least at that time, like it, it's not a big payday to go do the Hall of Fame. Like it's it was a few thousand dollars, and he was going to make more doing the convention. So he told them, thanks, but no thanks. I'm doing this convention because it's paying me more. I'm going to do the bigger payday. And – I mean, he's also been someone that had been adamant about not signing a Legends deal because he would have been giving control of the Honky Tonk Man character over to the company. So I don't know uh, what he is signing coming in here, but that's why um, the Honky Tonk Man, he's always been very protective of that character and not signing over the rights to the company. And there's definitely been, you know, contention over the years, but he's largely been on you know, fairly good terms with the company over the last number of years. He's popped up with appearances every now and then. And I think he'll have a pretty entertaining speech as well at the at the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So that's the latest. And yeah, there was also this story that came out today from TMZ Sports involving Matt Hughes. He has had two restraining orders filed against him. One by his, his wife, who I guess is soon to be ex-wife. Um Audra Hughes, as well as his twin brother, Mark Hughes, and uh, his wife has alleged that there have been several instances over the last uh, two years since, uh, you know, the brain injury he suffered when he was in his truck and got hit by a train uh, where he has threatened her, uh, uh, tried to choke her, uh, struck her in in front of uh, their children. And then the case with his brother is that they've had some big dispute over the ownership of of this tractor and Matt saw his, his nephew, Mark's son, who's a 15 year old riding the tractor. And he came over and grabbed the son and started like shaking him. And then later was accused of pouring gasoline over this tractor. Uh, it's, it's a really just, you know, horrific story. Uh, all of these allegations. Um, but yeah, these two, Orders of protection have been granted. Uh, so Matt Hughes has to stay 500 feet away from his wife and apparently his his brother as well. Um, so that's yeah. 
Yeah. It's really disappointing to read because I think, you know, last last time I, I, I thought uh, Matt Hughes was in the public spotlight was when he made a reappearance following um, that 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 terrible accident. I mean, yeah, that was in that was like last January that he made the the appearance at the at the UFC show. And yet it was a really um, emotional scene seeing him walk out and that he clearly is, you know, suffering the effects of this, like his mm-hmm. his speech is affected, his his ability to walk. Uh, Matt Hughes is someone that a, a lot of people don't view in a very positive light. Um, there's a lot of stories from from his book that he put out that are, are pretty off putting. Um, so you know, it's, you know, there, there were issues that, uh, predated this, that people, um, kind of viewed Matt Hughes in a very negative light, but looking at this, uh, now it just seems, um, you know, just even, that he's in yeah. a, he's in an awful state at the well, moment. Well, listen, if, if like even a quarter of like what, what these allegations are, are, is true. I really sincerely hope this guy is getting the help that he truly deserves because he, he sounds like he's, he's just got a lot of issues right now. Tons. Yeah. Um, so that, that full story is uh, TMZ Sports uh, put it out. And uh, the last thing here is I, I know I've had people asking me about tickets for SummerSlam, uh, which is in Toronto this year at the Scotiabank Arena. And they're putting these travel packages on sale next Tuesday. Uh, but then the individual tickets will go on sale Friday, March the 15th. So that's when people can start buying tickets. That's where they're listing tickets for SummerSlam. I don't know when they're putting tickets on sale for TakeOver and Raw and SmackDown because all four are going to be in the same venue this coming August, which I have deemed the the hell week of wrestling, which there's probably going to be a lot of great stuff, but it's just the volume is going to be utter insanity with SummerSlam weekend here in the city and the finals of the G1 that weekend as well. It'll be a lot, yeah, but um, yeah, you know who knows. I mean, we'll AEW. Deal with that then. AEW still has. Oh God, maybe they'll run a show that weekend too. Why not? Yeah, why? I'm not? sure the UFC will have a show that weekend. It's just going to be insanity. Uh, you can get all the news up at postwrestling.com. Those are just some of the news items that were going down on Tuesday, and that takes us to SmackDown from Charlotte, North Carolina. A show that looked like. Um, they took whatever plans they had for the next couple of weeks and just um, destroyed them. Perhaps. And came out with a, a whole different vision is, is what this show felt like. This felt like a big reset um, tonight. Every episode feels like it's some some type of reset. Yeah, this this week has certainly felt like a, a big adjustment uh, for, for several key programs, and we'll get into all of those. It started off with Shane and Stephanie in the ring with Daniel Bryan and Rowan for what Shane called an historic contract signing stephanie points out that daniel bryan is sitting in a leather chair and i thought bryan really needed to have a comeback for that stephanie like what a what a what a shitty line to just call this guy a fraud under her breath pointing out the leather seating that he is occupying what are you supposed to do i guess uh the crowd is chanting kofi and then shane took us through the the retrospective look at Kofi Kingston, stating it took him 11 years to become an overnight success. They showed highlights of his debut in 2008, all of his uh, near-elimination spots in the Royal Rumble, championships he's won, being part of the New Day. And Stephanie, with the line of the year, said that it all led up to Kofi Kingston, who scored a, quote, globally trending victory 
over Daniel Bryan. That's the yeah. biggest feat of all. A globally trending victory. I mean, listen, like to this company, like these this is just normal speak. This is just their way of communicating. I mean, it it's not the type of language that I think, you know, same people would ha- engage in uh in a we, friendly We should try manner. and talk like them. Wouldn't it be fun? <laughs> but I mean, to them this is just like how else do you describe what this was but the words that they used? You know, they they this is just how they talk. We're no longer podcasters way. We're audio presenters. Well, um, as long as that's on brand, sure. We'll come up with a style guide. Shane then goes to introduce Kofi. And he comes out, gets a great reception. He's out with the New Day. Kingston cuts a promo about 11 years to get this chance at the title. Brian is just sitting there stewing in his leather chair throughout all of this, not saying a word. Brian signs the contract, and then Kofi goes to sign when Vince McMahon's music plays. And out comes Vince McMahon, and he says that he appreciates what Kingston has done for the past 11 years. However, he has to give the best caliber of competition and the best box office. And he is replacing Kofi Kingston with someone more deserving and qualified. Enter Kevin Owens and his new ink on his right arm as he comes out with a new shirt that reads fight anyone walks into the ring signs the contract new day is like Xavier especially is like comically furious to try mm-hmm. and sell this outrage and he, he I think he's had the shirt for I don't think it's new but oh I thought it was I just thought the wording was different um, maybe I'm wrong maybe you could be right anyway uh doesn't matter new day is furious and they walk out as the crowd is chanting for Kofi. Uh, not having any knowledge of what this change is, my immediate reaction is they're going with Kofi at WrestleMania. Yeah, I think that that was at least you know most of the Twitter audience's reaction as well. And I, I don't think they would engage in any of this discussion unless it was for that reason. Uh, what, we don't know if it'll be a singles match or it might ta- you know be a triple threat. But I think... Most people who have watched uh, a lot of wrestling kind of have a feeling of knowing what's up, and this really can't be seen as anything but a positive move of them listening to their audience and going with Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. Yeah, and you know, obviously, this would be the third main event for Fastlane that they've gone through. They had the original idea, then they switched it to Kofi, and now they've switched it to Kevin Owens, who. I was under the impression would be facing Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. I wasn't specifically told his name. It was somebody that is presented as the complete opposite of Daniel Bryan that's coming back. And I put two and two together that that meant Owens. And it certainly feels like they're flipping uh, Fastlane and WrestleMania unless Owens is somehow going to still be involved in this post Fastlane. But it seems to me that... Kofi, they realized like this thing got over way beyond our expectations. We don't have a big program for Daniel Bryan. We have stumbled onto the big program. Let's not waste it at Fastlane. Let's build it up so that it's even more important rather than just blowing through it on three weeks' notice. Absolutely. I mean, certainly, I th- I could understand if they were adamant that Charlotte be a part of that main event or if Roman Reigns be a part of his main event, or even if Batista be a part of his main event in WrestleMania 30, I don't necessarily see the same 
level of, of uh, care on their part for somebody as like Kevin Owens, as much as you and I might like him, I, I just don't see their desire to protect that main event as much. That said, though, he could still be a part of it as part of a triple threat. We don't know exactly what that match is going to be at Mania yet. But uh, at the very least, I think uh, certainly the right choice to go with Kofi Kingston. Again, this is all we're all assuming that this is what what it is. But um, I, I, I don't think you can look at anything, um, you know, but you, you can't look at this as anything but a positive if you were to make that assumption. Um, you know, the way that they got here was very much the same story as Becky and Charlotte, like almost down to the to the. Is exact it too way. similar? I would say a little. You know, in the end, it doesn't matter because the audience only cares about the result. But I have to say, like, it kind of feels a little bit lazy, you know, with Vince, like, coming out in that same fashion uh, and replacing one challenger for another. Uh, only this time, he didn't even really give a reason. The reason was that he feels like this is the biggest box office. Now, that would make sense if he was replacing Kofi Kingston with, like, you know, Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. But Kevin Owens, again, like, well, I love Kevin Owens. We love Kevin Owens. But he's never really been presented as ty- that type of box office main attraction, uh, at least in the in, in Vince McMahon or the authorities' eyes. So, like I said, it doesn't matter. I think, you know, the sto- the bigger story here is, is, is what counts. But maybe maybe a little bit lazy, I guess you could say. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, the 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 logic in all of this, was actually brought up later by Byron Saxton about like a pretty big angle recent not recently but over the past 2 years on Smackdown with the headbutt angle with Owens and Vince oh, McMahon. Yeah. Well, come on. They well, made up. Even if you're supposed to forget about that, Anderson. Byron did not and Byron brought it up too as the contradiction and it, it's kind of a tough role for Kevin Owens because he's being brought back here where the audience is designed to boo him because he's replacing the fan favorite while he's going up against Daniel Bryan and is kind of going in like he's playing a babyface that's been put into a heel spot. So it's it's a very awkward return. I would say kind of the same thing for Charlotte going up against Ronda if, you know, they actually went ahead and did that match, which they they don't seem to be uh going for. But the difference is that Fastlane, you actually have to do Bryan versus Owens. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how Owens plays it. I mean, I'm also asking questions like, what what were all those skits for? You know, him at the bowling alley. I, I think those will be forgotten and end up on some WWE bloopers reel. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, you know, he mentioned that he was going to be off for more than a month. And obviously, he, he's back before that. And... uh what exactly were we supposed to feel from those and and what what is it leading up to i'll say like at least for the time being it's still very ambiguous as to whether he's a heel or babyface and i think that's you know the intent intent all the way until maybe at least wrestle like at least after fast lane perhaps i, I don't mind the the switch like kofi has has gained a lot of steam as a result of this it's so the right move absolutely yeah i just think it, it wasn't it's not a smooth transition going to Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly that's always the silver lining when someone gets hurt is playing up the return so that they come back bigger than before. And you could certainly say this was a last ditch decision that was made. And Owens was, you know, his return was certainly compromised. He's put into, I'd say, a good spot 
It's just um, how he comes out of this uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah. But again, like the bigger story here is Kofi Kingston. Like he seems to be, at least from the portrayal on this episode, he seems to be their lead character, their lead babyface right now. And I think overall that's a positive. I have to say, you know, Xavier Woods, if they give out Best Supporting Actor awards uh, in wrestling, I think he is a definite candidate. He's been fantastic uh, with with how just like expressive he is at the disappointment of Kofi being taken out of this main event, of his support when you know uh, he 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 was announced for the main event. And I also find it really interesting how we're all talking about Woods, but Big E is is there, and we're not really kind of sensing. You know, he's enthusiastic, but it's not as strong as Woods. Whether or not that's intentional, I I don't know. But I think it's perfect to for that dynamic because let's say, you know, I'm just booking kind of like a few months down to the future. Let's say Kofi wins. If you wanted to break off any of the, those members into some type of jealousy storyline, I think Biggie is setting himself up perfectly right now because he somehow, for whatever reason, just has this kind of slightly lowered sense of enthusiasm that I could buy if six months down the line, Biggie turns on Kofi, we can look back at this footage and like see some type, some like sense some type of like hidden jealousy the entire time. I like it. I, I would say if, if Kofi's getting this match at WrestleMania, I think there's a high likelihood he wins the title. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it would be the right call. I think it'd be foolish if he didn't actually. Owens was backstage with Shane and Stephanie and he says, it doesn't matter how long, Owens was aware of this because Shane and Stephanie were caught off guard by this. He says he wants to team with Kofi Kingston tonight, and he is just as deserving as Kofi Kingston to take on Daniel Bryan, and he's proposing the tag match with Bryan and Rowan. They're going to think about it. Mm -hmm. I like I like that Owens, you know, I think he's still keeping this interesting. The way they're positioning him. Again, we we can't really tell what he's thinking. Is he is he actually a good guy or is he a bad guy? I think for now he's feigning that he's a baby face, but whatever it is, I, I, I still find it intriguing. The bar is in the ring and the Hardy's music plays and out comes Jeff along with Matt in like the best shape Matt has looked in years. Yeah. He looks this in, guy looks great. Mm-hmm. He looks in excellent shape after his layoff. So this I felt was kind of, at least he wasn't, you know, he wasn't wearing any, like, his robe. He wasn't kind of in his broken outfit. And I could no, understand. Was gone. No, he wanted to show that body off. Are you kidding me? Like, being in the gym for probably as, as long as he has. Um, he deleted a lot of weight. That's exactly it. Yeah. He broke, uh, I don't know. A sweat? Yes. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Um Yeah. No uh Johnny Gargano and Cesaro on the show as promoter. Trumpa. Or, or the it's, match, you mean? It was Gargano to take on Cesaro, yeah. yeah. But neither guy, neither of them were on the show. What do you make of that? Um, just, you know, obviously this Hardy's idea they came up with, and it looks like, you know, they they got they deleted the Johnny Gargano match. Hmm. So, um, I, I don't know what more you look into it. I mean, it was casually mentioned about Gargano and Ciampa they do have a win over the revival. I know they did mention that in commentary, so it's not designed for you to completely forget about it, but they're, um, they were yeah, on the ramp I, yesterday. They were on the ramp and then, yeah, no presence on, on Tuesday. So, um, and it, it does feel like the Hardys are coming in 
in kind of that that babyface tag team spot that Gargano and Ciampa were occupying. Or I kind of felt like Black and, and Ricochet were, were kind, are kind of assuming that now. I, I guess, yeah, both. You have two, you know, pushed babyface acts now in the tag division mm-hmm. um, beyond Ciampa and Gargano. So this is our replacement match. The Hardys uh, work together. They clear the ring. There's a poetry in motion with Jeff doing a somersault off Matt's back to the floor. Whisper in the wind. Uh, side effect is delivered to Cesaro. Matt did do the delete sign and then gets caught, knocked into the middle rope. And then Jeff catches Cesaro with a twist of bait. Matt hits his own and then tags Jeff, who hits Sheamus with the swanton. Huge reaction for the win. And this was probably the best place to do it in in North Carolina as the Hardys win. And, you know, it's, this is a lot like 2017. Uh, not the same pop they got at WrestleMania because of the scale, but... I think you'll get a short-term nostalgia pop out of these two, and it's it's a short-term thing, though, with the Hardys being back together. Sure, yeah. I, I thought it was a wonderful surprise, especially for the home state. Um, I think, you know, the match was, I would say, kind of your, your typical, like, mm, not, not all that special, but it was special to this audience simply because of who was involved. Um, you know, I'll say like maybe after seeing his run with Bray Wyatt, I'm not really expecting high level great matches from Matt Hardy anymore, but I still think he has a lot to offer in this, you know, I I hate to call it nostalgic run, but I, I feel like, like you said, that's, this is kind of what it, what it is. The crowd still loves them. Um, I don't really want to see them win the belts. I want to see them challenge for the belts, but I, I kind of feel like the belts should be reserved for your younger stars and Shane McMahon. Um, but I do think the Hardys uh, add a lot of star power to the division. Could you see? Because it's just with the Hardys and some of the tag teams that you have, specifically on SmackDown, um, that you could do like some kind of TLC match at WrestleMania that this uh, leads to. Like you have guys like Ricochet, um, you know, the yeah. the Usos. It would I be mean, honestly Sh- Shane McMahon and The Miz, if you don't want to do that, that blow off at WrestleMania, they could certainly fit into a match like that. That's tailor made for Shane. Seems like, you know, special attraction matches like a TLC or, or a money in the bank. They like the reserve for those pay-per-views now. Um, so I personally don't see them maybe going that route. I wonder if these two would even have a match, um, you know, unless it, it was some type of four corners thing. Cause could they challenge the Usos for the tag team belts? If they can, I just, yeah. I just see the SmackDown tag titles being one of those multi-man things, and yeah. that's why I thought ladder involved. Like, these two shows this week felt like, okay, now we have our WrestleMania card in mind, and we got to make everything fit now. And the Hardys being put back together, like, again, not knowing what the card is at WrestleMania, it certainly feels like they have an idea for the Hardys because they wouldn't be back together if they didn't at this time of the year. Well, you could have said that same thing about the NXT debuts. And I don't know sure. how much of a story they have for any of those guys, um, but you know, I feel like we had we've had the same discussion about the, like the IC title scene. You know, like I think there's certainly room for like some type of ladder match involving one of those secondary belts. Um, I guess you just kind of have to pick and choose which which match gets it. I kind of have a feeling they might not do it for any of them, which would be unfortunate. But yeah, like for any multi man match, I think you automatically add some significance to it if you throw in a stipulation like a ladder in there. Alistair Black and Ricochet were in the back, and Ricochet says, the Hardys have returned. Can you imagine the two of them in the ring with us? Uh, 
This was a very um, straightforward delivery from Ricochet. So they're clearly or... committing to Black and Ricochet as a tag team oh, yeah. on the main yeah. roster. You know, after like their first week debuting as single stars, this week they are, you know, committing to them as a tag team uh, from this point on. I mean, here with Ricochet stating his dreams of facing the Hardys as a team. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of goes to my thinking of putting a bunch of these teams all together at WrestleMania. Um, I could certainly see this happening. And Lana is in the locker room. She doesn't know what all the fuss is about with Ricochet. He's not special. And Aleister Black is ordinary. And Ricochet comes back and says, didn't you used to be on Total Divas? No, he did not say that. Uh, (laughs) She also adds, you are not former champions or veterans in the locker room. You will be crushed. Ricochet points out that they did beat the Revival, and Ricochet likes proving people wrong, and Rusev can't crush what he can't catch. And Aleister Black said, allow me to translate a little bit for you. Oh, my God. Rusev and Nakamura (laughs) will fade to black because you see, Lana, my last name is Black, and when you fade to black, that is something we call a play on words. Is Alistair Alice, Black your new TJP? The 9 to 5 oh. Satanist? Listen, <laughs> Listen man. That, we that's love... the announcer's fault for putting that, that visual in our head of the, uh, the, the... For all the 9 to 5ers out there, you have Alistair Black. I hate that we're even having like this conversation regarding Alistair Black. Because you know, we've also had conversations about him being the next Undertaker. And how I think if given the right treatment, he could be taken as, as such a serious threat. Instead, though, I mean, man, it's week after week of, like, I think these pretty cringeworthy promos. That's just two weeks in. It's already too much, man. It's been really bad for Aleister Black. I mean, if you want, if you have not been following him, go back to the NXT episode where it's the culmination of the the summer-long parking lot attacker. And Aleister Black storming full sail and... You fo- the camera follows him from the back into the ring, and he is killing dudes with the black mask. It is like the coolest action scene they've done in NXT. It was awesome. This guy felt like Steve Austin storming the full sail and just killing everyone. It was like it was like watching Jason Statham in a movie, but it was a wrestling environment. It was so awesome. I I, I want that guy. I don't want the that's guy. That's what every. I like, don't want the guy, this guy backstage. Has top babyface potential, in my opinion, and could probably be a fantastic heel down the road too. Um, and these these segments are not for for him. Uh, I don't mind him talking, but he does not need to be talking if this is the verbiage. Yeah. Then we got a video for the Honky Tonk Man going into the Hall of Fame, and our truth is out with Carmella, and this is the latest resurrection of the United States. Open challenge. I can't love this thing. I can't recall the last time this has lasted for more than a week. They're very short term. Uh, Maybe we're going to get another top 10 list for future challengers that will also last a week with uh, the wrestlers voting. He said he always wanted to be like his hero, John Cena, when he was growing up with the comedy that R-Truth is actually six years older than John Cena. And he's going to follow in his footsteps and continue the open challenge. Andrade comes out for the challenge, but gets nailed from behind by Rey Mysterio, who runs into the ring first, which I guess is how they determine how an open challenge is answered. It's the first one into the ring. Makes sense. So the key is for these wrestlers to get the rundown before the show 
and then be in the crowd so that they can just run in instead of having to run from the back down the ramp. Or just, yeah, just wait under the ring the whole time. So Truth asks them to just get along, and he doesn't know who he's going to face right now. And he asks, what would John Cena do in this situation? Carmella says, well, Cena would face both of them at the same time. Truth notes, that's really brave. And he was just going to turn down both. But he says he's going to make John Cena proud. So he's going to face Andrade and Rey Mysterio with the title on the line. Yeah. All this uh, John Cena stuff, I feel, is probably happening for a reason. And I guess you could make the assumption that maybe... He's working our truth I don't even know if it'd be so much a match as, you know, maybe just a, a fun segment in the middle of Mania or something. They'll do a rap together. Oh, a rap battle. Sure. This was the Rey Mysterio show. He started this off with a head scissors sending Andrade to the floor, and then he went for his sliding splash but got caught with a drop kick by Andrade before landing it. Went through the commercial. Truth lifts up Andrade on his shoulders, and Mysterio follows with a springboard Hurricane Rana. This looked incredible. Yeah, it was great. They cut to Zelina Vega, who was stunned. And then Truth splashes Andrade. He calls for the five-knuckle shuffle and hits it on Andrade. Zelina gets on the apron to try and help Andrade, but gets yanked off by Carmella. He, he was going for the AA. Right. With yeah, the fireman's yes. carry. Right, when he lifted him up, and then uh, Zelina pulled Andrade. Ray came back with a seated senton, missed the 619, and then he gets cracked with a spinning elbow from Andrade. They showed the replay, and this thing looked snug as hell. Yeah. Ooh. Cabrada is caught by Andrade, and then Truth comes back, and both get sent onto the ropes. Ray goes for a double 619, but Truth is able to get out of the way, so the 619 is hit to Andrade, but then Truth grabs Ray and schoolboys him, and R-Truth pins Rey Mysterio in 2019, and Ray was smiling after this loss to R-Truth. I thought it was a finish you could buy, you know, in this type of context. I, I, didn't, dis- uh, I didn't mind it at all. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed Truth's faux Cena gimmick, and I'm kind of looking forward to see where it ends up. It was brief, this match, but I thought it was a lot of fun, you know? It's definitely held my attention. I think Andrade and Rey, uh, even after taking a few weeks off, these guys pick it right back up. Um, I really wouldn't mind if these two continue to wrestle each other for the rest of the year and, and no one else. Cause these two are just always excellent when they're in there together. Do you think, uh, spoofing Cena stuff could have some legs for our truth? Like he could come out and start going over, uh, beginners thugonomics. He him, could have a, yeah, sure. Him thinking that he's Cena. I think would, but be screwing fun. up all of his, like, uh, yeah. you know, he could have, he could have a shirt that instead of, uh. And it just reads, fuck rules on it. Oh, okay. Like, screwing up like that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Tons of great ideas for our truth uh, This was the first time he was on television, I think, since winning the title. He had been off for like a month. I mean, same with Nakamura, Rusev. I mean, Lana got to speak on this episode, which I think was the first time in a while. So, uh, after maybe, you know, the NXT call-ups last week and uh, maybe Elimination Chamber kind of derailing a lot of these these guys... It seems like they're starting to pick back up. You know what that was the casualty this week? No follow-up on uh, Sonya Deville pinning Asuka. I totally forgot about that. Like, they didn't announce a match. There was nothing building off of last week. It was just... Um, it was Mandy. Mandy pinned... Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Mandy pinning her. Yeah. 
So then after the match, Andrade attacked Ray from behind. He went for the hammerlock DDT. It's countered. He goes for the 619, but Andrade escapes. So uh, even after the loss, the focus was on Ray and Andrade moving forward, less on R-Truth by the end of it. Mm-hmm. So they're continuing with this. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I mean, I want to see a proper, you know, cl- climax of, of a feud between these two. If they drag it all the way out to Mania, I'd be very happy. But who knows if they get on the show. Who knows what's going to be on this Fastlane card? Yeah. We're gonna, we have three matches with the uh, the go-home episodes coming up next week. Yep. WWE has hit 40 million YouTube subscribers. And they it's not just we've hit 40 million. They list off the paltry numbers of all the other sports leagues first before <laughs> they announce their number. That's how WWE does things. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it feels it's like just, they're, they're, it's like saying 40 million. What does that mean? We've got to put it in context of how big this is compared to everyone else. It's like people won't be amazed enough by 40 million subscribers. Their whole identity forever has, it seems, has been to try to, you know, f- find relevance and credibility amongst other mainstream entertainment, um, you know, products. And so any chance that they have of promoting themselves as something that, you know, is beyond this other thing that is taken very seriously, like the NBA or like a green book. Um, hey, uh, like they, they said yesterday, what is it? Um, <laughs> fighting with my family um, uh, opened up with such and such box office, which is four times the amount of box office from the best motion picture of 2019 or 2018, the green book. So... <laughs> Whatever that means, like all these fucking qualifiers just to kind of attach themselves as somehow better than, you know, this mainstream thing. Maybe they should put up a graphic of all the uh, the the television rights fees of WWE compared to the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball. YouTube subscribers is worth way more than that, John. Yeah, 40 million. Uh, Charlotte comes out. She recaps the Ronda Rousey angle from Raw and that she witnessed history. When Vince McMahon changed the main event of Fastlane to make it even better. And it was almost as important as Vince anointing the queen to save the main event of WrestleMania. They chanted for Becky. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad they, like, she called out that comparison because I think it's, you know, the, the comparison yeah. everybody's making. And then she refers to the criminal Becky Lynch and the quitter Ronda Rousey. She's the gold standard. She does the media charities, live events, and she would never lay the title down. And those two fear her. They replayed a clip of a Ronda Rousey interview from last November about being a true champion and that being a champion is about being the best on your worst day and not a fair weather fighter. And she announces that she is going to show up to Raw on Monday night in Philadelphia and have Vince McMahon crown her the new Raw Women's Champion. Yeah, Charlotte... The SmackDown wrestler announces oh, on SmackDown that she's somehow going to Raw to, to become to their champion. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Well, we, we got the, uh, I guess, um, on their 40 million subscriber YouTube channel, I'm sure there was a negotiating session to get Matt Hardy onto SmackDown, right? We'll, we'll probably get that in the uh, bo- the bonus clip. It's probably a two-for-one with Kevin Owens. Oh, yeah, he was on Raw too, wasn't he? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God, my head spin. I don't, even, I don't even flinch. No, no one cares. cares. You know, I, I thought I thought Charlotte was really good here. You know, she's like she's the lone heel at this point in this feud, or at least she, they want her to be the lone heel in this feud. And I think she's doing a good job being hated enough for both Ronda and Becky. 
Um, she I, also had very like she was sent out here with like pretty much not much to say either. Like there's no advancement here other than I'm showing up on Monday and cut a promo on Ronda and Becky. Like well, that was it. With Becky, like, you know, kind of making as, as sparse uh, of appearances as she's been lately, like, Charlotte's kind of had to do a lot more of that, taking, you know, like, keeping people interested in this feud on episodes where uh, Becky's not around. Um, I think she's she's great in the role. Like, she gave some great facial expressions in, here, in this uh, segment. She gave this, like, really great evil Joker-like grin. Um, I liked it a lot. There are times, though, where I almost feel like she's trying a little too hard to kind of sound like your stereotypical, like, movie villain. Um, when I think, you know, when she talks naturally, she gets booed just as much. Like when she was a baby face, she was getting booed. Um, so there are just times where I, I feel like she, she might be able to tone down kind of like the, you know, slow talking. I'm so much better than you type of vibe a little bit, but you know, who am I? It, it's a minor point, but it was such a big angle that it did feel awkward to me that, She's doing this promo without any acknowledgement of what happened to her father the the night before. And I know that's kind of, it's kind of a tricky uh, angle for her to, um, you know, react to her father being beaten down by Batista when she's in this heel role. But I think that that's, that's a gap you have to find a creative way to make sense of because you can't just ignore such a major angle and the very next night um she's out there not acknowledging it hmm i wonder how they would handle that because that is very difficult shinsuke nakamura and rusev took on alistair black and ricochet and they explained we got the whole backstory here way it all makes sense rusev has become so frustrated that he's even teaming with nakamura now and the story is that lana pushed the two to get together and team I was like, I could have sworn I saw a segment where the two of them were upset together backstage and agreed to team up against Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows right there on the spot. But now we learned this has been Lana's master plan since shattering her ankle at the hands of her husband. <laughs> well, Rusev did come out to save Nakamura first. So maybe that's what they mean, that Lana encouraged him to do that. I guess so. She's the mastermind. Yeah, Rusev, get my Rusev, ankle broken and then, oh, whatever. It's yeah. Rusev distracted Aleister Black, allowing Nakamura to kick him, send him to the floor. Oh, and then we got the, the bear hug of doom applied by Rusev to Black. Black sold for a long, long time here. Tag in Ricochet. Nakamura's gear, each week he he's turning more and more into Kane with like the red and black oh, outfit. Wow, yeah. Ricochet hit a standing shooting star, which Tom Phillips called a moonsault. Then he sidestepped a machka kick and was caught with a spinning side slam as Rusev yelled, You damn rookies! He went for the accolade. That was avoided. And then Ricochet hit a Fosbury flop onto Rusev. Black was tagged in. He was hit with a reverse exploder. And then Nakamura sets up for the Kinshasa, but gets caught with the Black Mass. And Black pins Nakamura. So it seems like what they're playing up with Black is that this guy can get his ass kicked for the entire match. And he just has to hit this kick and he wins. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I guess he's... That's how they kind of book their baby faces, isn't it? Unless you're Braun Strowman, you know, everybody is an underdog who, like, struggles to win. And and kind of has this... Like, yeah, they're treating the Black Mask like an RKO, you know? 
no comeback needed just like one one hit of that finisher and you can get get the pinfall so will will alistair black's name in six months be alistair black alistair black or al just black here comes black black mass that'll be his new name (laughs) um i think he'll keep alistair black it's it's simple enough you know alistair i hate alistairs alan i don't know (laughs) alan black (laughs) (laughs) i thought um the crowd were really hot hot to start this one uh seeing alistair black in there with shintake nakamura seeing ricochet in there with nakamura i mean in a different setting these would both be dream match scenarios. So maybe a little disheartening to like see them here and just not get that big of a reaction nor that much of a chance to like kind of showcase what, what they could do together. But whatever. It's not the time or place, I guess. Um I think I think the crowd never really recovered from like Rusev's heat with, with that long bear hug. It just seemed to kind of kill them and they didn't really uh peak as much for the finish as, you know, as as hot as as they sounded for the beginning. I like this is when as the crowd cools down, Pat McAfee pops up from underneath the <laughs> ring and says, uh, 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 don't sit down. Yeah. Everybody at home is losing their shit. Come on. He'd be a great cheerleader. Just yelling like in between commercials, yelling at this audience. That'd be great. Uh, he um, could be the new Wildcat Willie of the WWE. I don't know who that is, but we'll sure. talk about him on uh, the Nitro review. Oh. You know, I think Ricochet and Black are excellent, but I I feel like it's almost too soon to put them together as a tag team when it's their debut, essentially, still at this point. I feel like with the two of them, especially with their personalities as as different as they are, putting them as a tag team is something you kind of go to after establishing them as singles, like you're getting on NXT. But here, it feels like, especially if you're somebody who's only watching main roster stuff, you're, you're automatically seeing these two very different people as a tag team, and it's a bit... Little, it's a little confusing. It'd be kind of like you know, like, like um, I don't know, Hogan and Savage coming up as as a tag team before splitting them up. Maybe it'll work. It, it more seems that they want to get these guys on television, and it's easier to get them into one segment together or one match together rather than spreading them out into singles matches. So, I mean, that makes sense to me, John. But you tell me, is that a good plan to promote two of your biggest stars from NXT in singles runs? Listen, I, I think in three weeks' time, we can look back at where this Mania card is shaping up, and I think we can make a pretty educated conclusion as to whether these call-ups were um, an irrational split uh, last-second decision or something that they had solid plans for. Um, because the way this card shapes up, um, you know, they're still pushing these guys, but how but as it, is it? Are they going to be overshadowed uh, leading up to WrestleMania? Like we always talk, this is the hardest time to introduce new talent because, you know, you're you're putting this whole card together. Uh, you don't want guys to get lost in the shuffle before WrestleMania. I think that's a that's a really bad way to introduce guys. So I, I think we'll know in a couple of weeks where they're figured into at WrestleMania uh, because you know we we know it was a last minute decision to put these four onto the main roster and create a lot of chaos in the. In the, in the process. Mm. Kayla was backstage with AJ Styles. He first off says he's very happy about the news with Roman Reigns. And Kayla talks about AJ Styles being a great family man, a great champion. 
and at times a ferocious pit bull. But asks AJ, how are you planning to move forward? Because some say you're in a slump. And AJ acknowledges he is his harshest critic. He has not been at his best lately. And he had his opportunities with Daniel Bryan. He did not succeed. But it took him 15 years to get to the WWE. And he will not stop listening. He, sorry, he will stop listening to the critics. And is going to step up to the next challenger and just keep fighting. So Randy Orton walks in. And he just says, The house that AJ Styles. What? And that was Randy Orton's entire contribution mm-hmm. on this episode. Yeah, that was it. That was it. This guy's got it made. I mean, clearly they're going for the slow build for this one. I, I wouldn't expect this match at, at Fastlane. I think no. they're they're building towards a Mania program. So if they took their time for this, it's... Why not? But where do you put AJ on that card? You, you should have him on Fastlane. I don't know what you should do with you? him. Why? Uh, I want to watch a good show next week. Um, yeah, I guess it depends how much room they have. You know, not a lot of people didn't get on Elimination Chamber. Maybe he can join your pal, uh, Crone Gracie, and chat about the uh, flat earth. Oh, God. the earth. How yeah. disappointing. <laughs> Is that a real letdown for you, Way? You were really high on Crone Gracie. Uh, yeah, his jujitsu, but I mean, as a person, I, I don't really know anything about him. Lacey Evans came out and she walked down the ramp, she walked up the ramp. That was her contribution on the show. They replayed the segment involving Roman Reigns from Monday. And then we had our main event. Kofi came out, left Xavier Woods and Biggie at the entrance, and he came out, and we had our main event tag. Daniel Bryan and Rowan against Kingston and Kevin Owens. They mentioned Bryan having this lump forming on his forehead. I didn't get a really good look at this. Did you? No. No, I didn't. Did he get hit? This is when Bryan, uh, or Byron brought up Kevin Owens headbutting Vince McMahon in 2017. So... Maybe, maybe he did so much damage to Vince McMahon that he has uh, forgotten. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Could they have worked that somehow into Vince's reasoning to to use Kevin Owens? I would hope so. Yeah, I, I think that you should always, you know, especially big angles like that. Yeah, that I, I think know. most people remember. You should do a little care in your own storytelling. Brian has the advantage on Kingston. Then Rowan was in. Phillips notes that most people in Kofi Kingston's position losing the title match, they would just go on Twitter and gripe. Not this Kofi Kingston. <laughs> Are they talking about Becky Lynch? I guess so. Yeah, I guess this was a uh, subtle reference to Becky Lynch, perhaps. Sure. Brian hit a superplex onto Kingston, then goes for the LaBelle lock. Kingston gets the rope. Eventually, Owens comes in. He goes after Brian and Rowan, hits a cannonball and a senton to Brian. And then Rowan comes in with his deadly claw. Owens breaks free of that, super kicks Rowan off the apron, pop up powerbomb to Brian for a near fall. Then Owens is climbing up, gets pulled to the floor. Rowan tosses him onto the desk. Kingston then gets caught, knocks Rowan into the post, trust fall off the top to Rowan. And then Brian is alone with Owens in the ring, misses him in the corner, and Kevin Owens hits him. With a stunner and pins Daniel Bryan, who is racking up quite the amount of losses 
as WWE champion because he's got another challenger to make. The guy gets new challengers every single week, so yeah. And they never lead, they have not really <laughs> led to title matches so far. It's like the curse. Mustafa Ali pinned him in a tag match. That didn't lead to a title match. Kofi pinned him twice. That did not lead to yeah. a title match yet. I so just Owens imagine, is the latest. I just imagine like the conversations the agents must have with him every single week. Okay, Brian, we need you to do us a solid, okay? We got a new guy to build. And then next week, it's like somebody else. And then the week after that, it's somebody else. I think, I mean, they're, they're very lucky that they have somebody as, as uh, maybe as, as, as giving as, as, a, as a Daniel Bryan as their champion. Um, Guys, how about I have a match with myself? Could I lose that? Could I lose a match to myself? Is that possible? Yeah. I thought it was a decent main event. I thought they did, they did a good job, again, keeping the focus on Kofi as the, as the featured player here, while at the same time reestablishing Kevin Owens as a threat. Um, you know, stunner as a finish? Why not? Sure. At least he's finishing people with it, right? So I'm sure Austin is happy. Um, the character is interesting. You know, I, I think he's... What do you think? What do you think right now? Do you think he's Kevin a Owens? Yeah. Do you think he's a heel or baby face? I uh, I don't think they quite know at the at this point. I don't know what their long-term vision is because I don't know if there's one. Uh it seems like this was a like this just screamed a change in plans and they said, "Hey, this main event we're we're moving this, so we need someone to fill in. Let's get Kevin Owens back on TV. He's fresh. We're going to do this now because he's not going to be the mania opponent." And mm-hmm. I don't if I'll say this. If Owens is just being inserted to play out Kofi's spot at Fastlane and then they're moving to Brian and Kofi as a singles match, I feel bad for Kevin Owens because I could see him in three weeks just being right back to a kind of mid-card spot. It's true, yeah. But Potentially, I, but we shouldn't condemn until we see what actually happens here. But I'm also thinking about Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, if that was the original plan, how that would have went. Because that would, you know, you would assume that Kevin Owens would have had to have that match as a babyface. And I also wouldn't see Kevin Owens necessarily winning that match. So maybe he would kind of be back to zero anyway after Mania. But anyway, we're thinking out loud here. Who knows what they have planned? If anything, I am intrigued at, at what they have in store. And I think with the tease now that Kofi Kingston will in some form or fashion in the title program at WrestleMania, I think a lot more people are going to be invested in what exactly this whole thing is going to turn into. Yeah, I, I think that it's, um, you know, the, the audience is certainly into Kofi. I, I do question like how, like it does take something to pull off this role as the, the baby face that has been slighted by the promotion. And you're now, you're, you're, you're explaining that story with, with Becky really hitting on that that character at the moment. Kofi, you did not have this. You know, you could see this guy is uh, continuing on this show. He's upset he's lost his title match. But to me, it was like this guy should have been a lot more outraged than he was. Like he just basically got fucked in the opening segment. And then he's just coming back for this main event. So I, I just don't know. It, it does take a certain. Um, you don't think he's showing enough anger? Uh, it, it, it didn't come across to me like this guy was, um, I don't know. It, it didn't to me was not the, um, the level of outrage that should be associated with this. I mean, look at Becky. She's, she's in jail. But, exactly. But I think they, they already have, have that guy, you know, they have the guy who, who in Becky Lynch, who, who, who kind of lashes out in anger when she doesn't get what she wants. 
Kofi seems to be at least in this episode playing much more of a, you know, taking more more much more of a of a pacifist 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 stance on uh, in terms of you know accepting his fate but not being happy with it and who knows how how he'll retaliate. I, I mean, I feel like maybe the presentation with him might be more like him continuing to prove why he is deserving. He should come out next week and wear an AEW shirt. Damn. So that was SmackDown. Um, I like SmackDown. I thought, you know, there there was a good surprise with the Hardys return that they gave away on TV. I thought it was a solid triple threat match for the U.S. title. For the most part, I enjoyed seeing Ricochet and Aleister Black. And, you know, decent main event that I thought, like, delivered on story. I like the show. I thought it, um, you know, it came out of it. They they made some some. Big changes, uh, some big legitimate surprises, and I think it came out with a with a lot of buzz. And I I would say that they're overall. I think that the Kofi story is really going to pay off. I think that they realized what they have on their hands here, and it's better than just being your transitional um, March pay per view main event. There's there's a lot more. Like I take it as a, as a real positive that they they realize what they have here, and they're not going to blow it next weekend in Cleveland. They can play out WrestleMania with this. It's really interesting how Becky Lynch and Kofi Kingston, how similar kind of both of those stories are and how, you know, at least for this year, like they are really listening to their audience by putting, you know, those two into prominent roles uh, on the show. I mean, maybe not as seamless of a transition as maybe some people would have liked, um, you know, with Charlotte being attached to it and everything. But I I feel like they are listening, at least on SmackDown. Maybe they feel a bit more leeway to kind of take those chances. All right, let's head to forum.postwrestling.com and see what everyone had to say. Did this top Raw, which had a 6.66. SmackDown, a 6.65. Damn. Oh, my God. It edged it out by 0.01. Yeah. Wow. I mean, essentially the same ratings. Yeah. So Raw. No, Raw wins. That is a a ratings win way. (laughs) 0.01. Okay. Point zero one, yes. Andrew from Cape Breton. I'm starting to think that 2014 and 15 may have been two of the most influential years ever in WWE. It seems that they are looking at the mistakes they made accidentally, and they're now doing it on purpose to get a crowd reaction. It seems that they want the crowd to believe that Vince just changes things on a whim, and in the past number of years has been very bad at planning in advance. I thought the championship match... Switch was pretty clever and a great way to continue the Kofi story. Then in the next segment, they randomly changed the Gargano match. So now I don't know what to think. Later on in the night, they mentioned that the Usos were going to join join them. And then unless I missed something, they were no, they were nowhere to be found. That's right. They did tee up the Usos. We would hear, for them, hear from them. I think they said they were going to join them on commentary or something, didn't they? I, I forget for which They match. definitely mentioned the Usos were coming up and then never did. Huh. Interesting. It's almost like Vince recognizes that his poor planning and random decisions are great heat, but doesn't recognize he still does it for real. In the immortal words of Jim Cornette, Sigmund Freud would jump out the window trying to figure out Vince McMahon. Vince is either still a genius or he's really suffering from the consequences of all those concussions he suffered after age 55. Six losses of your world champion out of 10. I mean, oversights like, you know, like mentioning the Usos and then not having them appear, I I, I imagine maybe you chalk that up to like... um lack like the the time remaining perhaps again it's i like have no a, idea it's a bunch of people putting that show together so 
uh, something like that. Maybe isn't just Vince. We got a Brandon from Oshawa. I really enjoyed the show tonight, as well as Raw last night. It's been a solid week of TV, and I'm glad it looks like they're keeping Ciampa and Gargano away for this now. For now. I'm really tor torn on this Kofi Kingston main event push, though. I do like him. He's always been a solid hand, but I don't know that he deserves this spot just because he's been around for 11 years. I guess I should take, take it as a good thing that WWE seems to finally be listening to their fans and getting behind someone that the audience is behind. This could have happened with Rusev, and they fucked it up. I may be a little bitter, but being a huge Kevin Owens fan, I was looking forward to, to him getting the Mania title shot and potentially becoming the WWE champion. I'm not a fan of him using the stunner as a finish, but it was good to see him back, and I hope with this change, he doesn't get lost in the shuffle heading into WrestleMania. Question about Roman, what do you guys see as the match for him at WrestleMania? Uh, I, I don't see an obvious singles match. Do we uh, know that he's Roman. even he, that he's even ready for a singles match right now? Uh, I would imagine if he's doing uh, a shield match, I would imagine that, you know, he, I, I don't think he's coming back if they don't feel he can do a match at WrestleMania. Like that was would seem the plan. Very... Was the plan before not him and Ambrose? At one point. Yeah. They could still do that. I guess. Yeah. You don't have this like full reunion and then in the end, just have Ambrose turn on him again to lead to the program. If if they want to put Dean in such a prominent match, yeah. I would say if you, if you don't have a commitment from the guy, I would I would question putting him in such a big spot when there's nothing to, um, the, when there's nothing to to make off of Dean beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know I, yeah I I don't have a great idea on the roster for a singles match. Yeah yeah I don't know either. I, I don't want to see Lashley or I mean it could end up like Roman and Drew McIntyre. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Is it your turn? Oh, it is. Gerard. Don't know what else to say except I thought this was a really good show focused on in-ring action, and I'm a hard grader when it comes to WWE. Obviously, the storyline with Owens is going somewhere other than just simply replacing Kofi at Fastlane. I want to say this could be something that could lead to saving Kofi versus Brian for Mania, but I don't know. Nor am I good at predicting where WWE booking is going, especially beyond one pay-per-view. Where do you guys think the storyline is going? Well, we spent most of the show discussing it. We got a Jalen from Pickering who says, Strong week for WWE. I'd be very okay with that being the norm. I like where the end result of Owens getting the title match should go, but I don't like the similarities it has to the women's titles feud. It's made even worse because Owens is supposed to be a face. Great to see him back, though, especially because it adds another great talker to SmackDown. MJ, I'm convinced Kofi is winning the title at WrestleMania. This feels very much like when the crowd forced Brian into the spot, except they are going to tell a story, a great story for once. Fitting that Brian is on the other side of this, as I think he would be very much for getting Kofi over at Mania. He knows what it's like when the crowd wants it. Two nice little touches. Mysterio ate the pin, so to protect Almas. I want Ray and Almas to open Mania with the U.S. title. One of the commentators brought up Batista after Charlotte's monologue, as in, why wasn't she concerned? Seven KO headbutts, or wait, never mind, out of ten. Good points. We go to uh, Chris from Queensland, Australia, who says, with the commentary team in tears at Kofi challenging for the WWE Championship at the start of the show, Vince made the right decision. Also, 
Why did the commentary feel the need to call Charlotte out for not addressing her father's attack last night at the end of her promo? But to end on a positive note, it's been a big week in WWE, and I'm finally starting to feel like WrestleMania's season is happening. I, I personally prefer when the announcers call out what the viewer at home is probably thinking. I would not much rather every, that than ignoring not every, it. Well, but not every viewer is thinking it, though. I, I certainly I feel that's a completely natural reaction to have. You, we just, the final scene was her father being destroyed the night before. But why bring it up if you don't have the answers for it? Well, I, I feel at least someone did. I mean, it's covering your tracks. What, why, why bring up the, the Kevin Owens headbutt to Vince McMahon in the, uh, the main event great, that Byron great, did? Another great question. Well, to me, it's, you know, uh, I'm having the same question. At least it's addressed in some form. They're not completely ignoring it. I think they are. <laughs> well, Andrew from St. John, I was intrigued to see where things would go with Kofi and Owens after the opening segment, but disappointed that the New Day didn't offer some sort of defiant response. The idea that they're running two identical storylines based on the idea that they make awful decisions and the audience should be outraged is exhausting to me. They certainly do um, <laughs> run that risk. Maybe this can but, be the, the kind of the new day getting a lot more serious. Like here they are, these guys that have put in all this work and they get fucked and they're going to be less of the jovial new day coming absolutely. out next week. I Dude, mean, that, I, this could be a great transition for them. If I see pancakes next week, I, I'm, I, I don't know if, if, if that'll be the right call. I think like, <laughs> they should be pissed off from now until, until Kofi gets his match, you know? And then that anyway, but, um, I, I was just more so, so talking about Andrew's point of like them running kind of storylines like this, this Daniel Bryan uh, underdog storyline of, of the authority taking him out of the match and then putting him back in. That's um, sort of definitely become a trope uh, so much so that I wouldn't be surprised if like 2K, you know, made this a part of like their season mode. Like Vince has taken you out because you're not a box office draw. Last second, you're gonna have you're gonna get a, a arrested, and then you're going to be you know uh, voted back in because people are have a hashtag named after you, whatever. Um, but it's it it worked for them that year, and clearly this is kind of something like a part of their playbook now that they know works. So they're just kind of yeah. going to what what they know. Evil authority figures and. Uh neglected top baby faces those are those are the lessons of the last 20 years of their storytelling that they they have really honed in on yeah all right well that's the end of our show for tonight that brings an end to rewind to smackdown but there is more if you want to go tune in the double shot is dropping momentarily where way and i are going to go review fighting with my family yeah, featuring the life of Paige and and her family yeah we're going to the movies right now i'm excited all right, well, go get your popcorn and then return for the double shot. And as always, go to postwrestling.com, blah, 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 and all that other stuff.